Wednesday night tailgate, where the spotlight is always on the positive. Tune in Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time to hear your favorite NFL legends, players, and coaches sharing their stories. Now back to Chris and Bob. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happened to you tonight. Before we get to our next guest, Lee Flowers, we want to give a shout out to our good friend, Don Stargell Moore, daughter of my childhood hero, Willie Stargell. Donna owns a consulting company called More to Life, and that's a number two, More to Life Consultants. It's a premier executive career and leadership coaching firm with over 20 years of leadership experience. Their goal is to work with companies that desire organizational change, accountability, and authenticity, which promotes high levels of employee engagement, and they also support individuals seeking to grow personally and professionally. Remember, folks, life changes in the blink of an eye, so live your best life on purpose. You can contact More to Life Consultants at m2lifeconsultants.com, and that's M, the number two, lifeconsultants.com, or give them a call at 855-888-2840. That's 855-888-2840. All right, now joining us here on Thursday Night Tailgate and making his TNT debut is Lee Flowers. Let me give you some background on Lee. He's from Columbia, South Carolina, played his college ball at Georgia Tech from 1991 to 1994, helped them win the Aloha Bowl his freshman year. He was drafted in the fifth round in 1995 by my Pittsburgh Steelers, played in the league from 95 to 2003, mostly in Pittsburgh, spent some time with the Broncos in 2003. Over the course of his career, he had 403 tackles. He forced eight fumbles and had four interceptions. And we're very excited to have him with us tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Lee, Chris, and Bob, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, hey, Garth, how you doing? Ah, we're fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Just uh, glad to uh, be alive this day and age. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Lee, I want to start our time with you tonight by going back to your playing days at Georgia Tech. You're a a talented kid coming out of uh, the state of South Carolina. I have to imagine there were a lot of schools trying to recruit you. How did Georgia Tech get you to go there? Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I uh, I think you know back then you had to make five choices. Um, you know, my five was uh, Penn State, Tennessee, Alabama, uh, Clemson, and then Georgia Tech. Um, I took a uh, visit to Penn State. And there's some irony behind it. So I took a visit to Penn State, and once we got off the plane, it was like 10 inches of snow. I was like, no, that's that's out. So um, <laughs> then I went to, you know, I went to a couple other schools, and Clemson really was my top choice. But at that time, Danny Ford, uh, he left the school. So, uh, you know, when I got to Georgia Tech, it just was a, you know, a family atmosphere. And, you know, obviously they just won the national championship. And, um, great city. I fell in love with the city and, uh, you know, you, you can't beat the city. So, you know, we're still here now. So, uh, you know, I've been, I've been in Georgia, been in Atlanta since 91. So, um, it's just been a great place and I, I love the school. I love the, you know, I love Bobby Ross and, uh, you know, I just loved all the coaches and, and it just was a very friendly atmosphere, family oriented atmosphere and, um, yeah, I, ha I have nothing bad to say about Georgia Tech at all. And Lee, you mentioned Bobby Ross, and you know your freshman year, you guys go eight and five, you win the Aloha Bowl. Uh, Bobby Ross is the coach, and then then he leaves the program to go become the head coach uh, for the Chargers. Was that was that hard for you? Was that disappointing, or did you see it coming? 
Um, actually, I didn't see it coming because I, I think, you know, we heard a rumor. You know, anytime you win a national championship, you know, especially back then, um, you know, coaches were coaches were very hard to find. So every time, anytime a coach won something that was significant as a national championship, NFL was, you know, knocking on the door. So we heard a rumor. Um, you know, Bobby Ross told, you know, my parents and I that, you know, he was going to stay. Um, and, you know, when we got there, um, we, we had a decent season. I, you know, I was hoping that we were going to have a better season. Then he, you know, he went off to uh, San Diego. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't terribly disappointed, you know, because I, I was hoping that we was going to get a coach that, you know, after Bobby Ross left, that was going, you know, put the fire back into us. And, you know, obviously things, you know, went a different route. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it, you know, it's part of business. I mean, I think, you know, looking back on it now, I'm at, I'm at 48 right now. Looking back on it now, I know it was business. You know, he, Bobby Ross had to do what it, what was best for his family. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, you know, you got to keep moving. You just got to keep moving. And, you know, as a student athlete, you don't have time to sit around and pout and, uh, you know, worry about what's, you know, what's going to come next. You just got to keep working out and, Keep your head in your books and uh, just keep things positive and uh, move on to for, for the next coach. And Lee, you played with a, another great friend of the show, Marco Coleman, there at Georgia Tech. What do you remember playing uh, alongside Marco? Whoa, I tell you. So when I when I got to school, well, first when I got to uh, when I came down here to my official visit, which is Atlanta. When I came to my official visit, uh, Marco and uh, Willie Clay. Willie Clay was my host. And Marco was, you know, they were good friends. And, you know, coming from high school, especially, you know, from South Carolina or Columbia, you know, you did, you saw athletes, you know, but, you know, you didn't really see the prototypical athlete. You know, when I saw Marco Coleman, I was like, my goodness, this guy is, you know, he, to me at that time, he looked like he was built out of marble. And, you know, he was a, you know, a workhorse. He was very professional and, um, you know, he helped a lot of, you know, freshman guys out because, you know, everybody had that kind of, you know, Marco was, to me, he was, you know, he was All-American. You always heard about the stories about All-Americans and standoffish and um, didn't want anybody to, you know, walk up to him and speak to him and whatnot like that. But Marco was very friendly. He was uh, a very good guy, a very humble guy, actually. Uh, Marco and I, we, we're still friends today. Uh, so he was a, he was a great athlete. You know, I think, I, you know, I looked up to him and, you know, as a athlete, you try to take bits and pieces from all other athletes that you meet in your life and just try to incorporate that into your your livelihood, into your game. And Marco was one of those guys and um, he still has a special place in my heart. And, you know, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, Marco was just uh, he was just a good human being. And I think, you know, that's what we're missing more now in the NFL is just good people. You know, I think so many people are worried about their brand and worry about, you know, this, you know, they TikTok and all this other social media stuff. You know, back then, you know, you was just worrying about, you know, getting the getting the, the plays called, getting the plays on the field and, you know, just being a good person. And he was definitely that. Bob, questions for Lee? Yeah, Lee, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And, and I want to uh, give a chance for you to give a shout out to your high school back in South Carolina because I was looking at Spring Valley and noticed that there were six uh, NFL players that came from there, including the Bowlwares and uh, yourself, Willie Williams, and current 
wide receiver Andre Roberts came out of there. Talk about South Carolina high school football in general, Lee. I mean, we, we think of high school football, we think of Bama, Texas, LSU, things like that. But uh, Columbia, that must have been a hotbed back in the time. They have some great defensive players coming out of there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, back then it was, I mean, you know, we had so many great coaches back then. Um, you know, our coach at the time was um, Coach Jerry Brown then. Um, you know, I played with, you know, I played with the Bowler Ice. I saw Michael Bowler where, you know, he was a, he was a, uh, you know, he was a little kid when running around the yard when I was playing with um, um, Peter Bowler. So uh, we had a lot of talent. You know, we had Willie Williams and the irony behind Willie Williams, his sister is my fiance now. So it's just funny wow. how things, wow. <laughs> it's funny how things work out. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, but we had we had a great coach, and he put in the work ethic on us. That you know, you you earn everything that you get, and you know we, I mean, we was I think we was probably one of the first programs at Spring Valley that had a, a workout regimen. You know, we go to the weight rooms on um, on our days off, and we had a beautiful weight weight room. My weight room overlooked Perry Perron Stadium, and um, it was just a good atmosphere. But you know, without with all of that being said, you know, our school wouldn't have been that good if it wasn't for the parents or in the community. I think, you know, we, our school was, you know, most schools, I'm sure most high schools are in side neighborhoods, but our, our community was so focused on um, keeping the players focused, you know, going to, um, at, you know, before games, go to a person's house and eat dinner. Um, you know, it's just very family oriented. Yeah, I know that's the theme tonight for me, but you know that's just just who I am. But you know we had some great players. I mean, you know Willie Williams, uh, Peter Bowler, Michael Bowler. You know a, a name that you didn't mention was I think he was the first one from us was uh, Tyrone Legret. He played for Nebraska and then went to uh, New Orleans. Right. So um, you know we had a we had a lot of guys, and I think once once we saw one guy go to the pros, it was a contagious atmosphere, and everybody was you know, trying to do their best. You know, you, we all we always took our steps. You know, obviously you got to get to college first. You got to graduate college first and then, you know, get to the NFL. Then you got to, you know, do your, your, your due diligence in the NFL as well. But um, we – it was a contagious atmosphere. And I think I, – I think our school has to be the only school in South Carolina that had that many players in, I think, what, 10 year, maybe 15 years span. And uh, – you know, we attribute that to, you know, the community and uh, Coach Brown. Uh, you know, we, we, we just had a great community. And, you know, the weight program, we were the first, you know, team to do that. And then, you know, we had speed workouts and stuff. So we was uh, ahead of the game before a lot of these other schools started doing it. Now you got, you know, population growing so much. Barnes High School where I think um, uh, the kid, the receiver for um, – from Cincinnati Green, he he went to Barnes High School, so um, you got a you got a lot of talent coming out of South Carolina. You know we we've being very very underestimated right now. And Lee, we've had a theme over the last few weeks. We've been asking a lot of defensive players about uh, tackling or the lack of tackling in the NFL. Now it's become a collision contact hitting game, and it seems like fundamentals has taken a left turn somewhere, and, and guys have been very critical about it as far as uh, not wrapping up. And, and see guys just bounce off guys and run for another 10 yards. 
want to get what you see uh, happening in the NFL, and is it ever going to get back to fundamentals? Um, you know what? It, it's so funny because I, I sit on the couch and, you know, we look at the football games on the weekend and, you know, my fiance, you know, she, she always yelling at me like, you know, you can't control the game. And I'm like, you know, these guys are not wrapping up. They're not lowering their head. They're not, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I talked to Brinson Buckley. He played for us in, um, at Pittsburgh, and he's a coach out in uh, Arizona now. And he said when he first got out there, a lot of these guys wouldn't t- how to tackle. I mean, and that was coming from the college level. So um, I just don't understand, you know, what's going on with the, the lack of fundamentals. I mean, you look at the – the average yard is something. Well, just look at the score. Look at the scores of, of these games. Now. I mean, when we were playing, we were playing a high-score game for us was, you know, 15 to 9. That was a high-scoring game. And now it's, you know, if you don't score over 25 points, you know, you're going to lose the game for nine times out of ten. So I just think right now these guys are, you know, not focused on, um, you know, being physical and, and taking, you know, putting your will down on these players on the offensive players and, and tackling and making a short tackle and wrapping up. I mean, like, like you just uh, alluded to these guys, you know, you come in and they, they bounce off and you give this running back all this credit, you know, think about it. You know, I, I, I think about uh, Derek Henry. We had, we had about what, five Derek Henry's when I was playing, you know, we had Eddie George, Corey Dillon, you know, you go down the list of big running backs, but we took them down because we knew how to tackle. Yeah, you know, I, I think some of these guys are just fundamentally, and then I think they don't want to tackle. You know, we had a, a coach in Pittsburgh, uh, Coach Mitch. He always said, you got to have the want to. And I never understood what that meant when he first told me that my rookie year, but the want to is you got to want to do it. If you want to do it, then you will make your mind up and you'll uh, practice and you'll try to do it. And I just, a lot of this stuff is, you know, they're not being taught the fundamentals, and then I think they're not wanting to, to really get dirty, you know these guys are, are you know they 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 they're pretty boys now, you know so you still could be pretty and, and, and take down Derrick Henry. So, um, you know I think we're gonna get back to it, uh, you know because the, the yardage right now is is astronomical right now. I mean these guys are running, you know how how can you run 200 yards a game every week? And I'm talking about Derrick Henry, and it's just it's just bananas, but. uh I think we're going to get back to it, and these guys will understand because, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tony before me said, you know, defense win championships, and you got to start uh, winning championships. Lee, speaking about winning championships, I mean, you get drafted in the fifth round by uh, the Steelers in 95, a team that would ultimately go to the Super Bowl. They're coming off an AFC championship game the year before. And now you're, you know, in a defense with, you know, guys like Greg Lloyd, LeVon Kirkland, Chad Brown, Kevin Green, Rod Woodson. We could go on and on. You mentioned Willie Williams, Randy Fuller's a great friend of the show, Darren Perry back there. Um, talk about showing up to your first training camp and trying to uh, make a name for yourself when you've got all those guys on defense. Oh, I tell you what. <laughs> oh, I, so the first, my first training camp, I, I remember when I got drafted. We got drafted, and, you know, I don't know how things work now, but back then you got drafted on that first weekend, and then the next weekend you had to go to training camp. And so when I got to training camp, you know, we were uh, – a lot of the veterans weren't there, but a couple couple guys were there. And uh, so, you know, I'm trying to make an impression, and, you know, and my nerves was bad and, and whatnot. And mind you, 
I played corner my whole career at, you know, from high school all the way up to uh, college. And then when I got to Pittsburgh, they immediately switched me to safety. So then that was a learning curve for me. But uh, once we got there, um, you know, I had the jitters and stuff. And Rod Wilson came in to work out. And we were working out. And he came over to me and he said, look, Wookie, all you got to do is just learn the playbook and keep your head down and ironically learn how to tackle. And he said, you'll be fine because safety's in Steelers defense. We got the tackle. So um, he told me that and I, I was comfortable. And, you know, obviously I didn't get my shot for probably about three years after that. But uh, once he told me that, it, it was it was smooth sailing because I think, you know, again, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, you know, the Rooney's, they, they were very family oriented and, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, Greg Lord, Kevin Green, uh, uh, Damani Dawson, you know, they were very friendly to me. And uh, I have nothing but love for that organization. I have nothing but love for everybody, every player that I ever met in that organization. And, you know, to speak of that, you know, talking about Alan Fanick, he just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. We were, I'm telling you, the Hall of Fame, they're going to have to make a whole new building just for the Steelers. So, um <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was uh it was it was good. I I, uh, I think you know it made me in the player that I am, that I was then, and the person that I am today. So nothing but love, nothing but love. And Lee, correct correct me if I'm wrong, if I remember this correctly, but I believe Chad Scott got injured, one of the Steelers' cornerbacks, and Carnell Lake was moved down to take his spot, which opened up the opportunity for you to get into the starting lineup. Is is that right? And and if so, how did you earn Cowers' respect uh, to become a starter? <laughs> well, you are absolutely right. And it's so funny because, you know, Chad, Scott, and I, we were, uh, we were uh, death mates. So, you know, let me give you a little breakdown. So when we were in the meeting room watching film, you had two people at the table, and Chad Scott was my, my uh, table mate. So, I, I used to tell Chad every day, I said, you know, I know, you know, I hate that you had, you know, you got hurt and you, you know, blew your knee out and all this other stuff, but it saved my life because that gave me an opportunity. And I think the opportunity enrolled with Coach Coward. I'm be honest with you, Coach Coward and I, we're, we're friends now. I just spoke with him a couple of days ago. Um, but Coach Coward didn't trust me because I was, you know, and, you know, there was rumors of me going out and, I was, you know, I was a young man, a young, you know, a young man from Atlanta and, you know, I liked the party. But one thing I knew how to do, I knew how to take my business on the field and take care of my business on the field. And um, I remember uh, Coach Carter calling me in the off season and saying when uh, Chad got hurt and then they moved Cordell to uh corner, he said that, you know, they, they were going to give me a shot and, um, you know, it was up to me. So that, that following, that following, summer we played Tampa Bay and uh, ironically we played Tampa Bay which was my first game we played Tampa Bay in the Hall of Fame game and I had like I think I had like 10 tackles a sack and that was all in three quarters so when I came to the sideline Coach Coward told me he said you know if you just keep doing that you're gonna earn this job and um, after that you know it was you know I was a captain for a couple years and uh you know, Coach Kyra and I, you know, we're good friends now. So, you know, I think if, if any young guys are listening right now, you know, always be prepared to have the opportunity. But when you get the opportunity, you better grab the bull by the horns and 
you know, and break his neck. So, because you're only going to get one chance in the NFL. You only get one chance. And, you know, fortunate enough, things worked out. And, uh, you know, here we are now. I think Greg Lloyd is a, another great friend of the show. And Greg's passion for the game and tell it like it is style at, is at such a high level. And I read an article that you credited Greg for your passion for playing the game. Talk about his influence and your relationship with him. Well, you know, when I when I saw Greg, I remember when we played uh, we played Cleveland Brown at home in Three Rivers, and I think that particular game, Greg had like three sacks or four sacks on Eric Zaire. On the only reason I remember Eric Zaire because he was from Georgia, and I went to Georgia Tech, so um, he had like three sacks on him. And um, I ran out on the field after one of the turnovers from the sack, and I bowed down. I was like, I've never seen a person that ferocious. And, I mean, Greg was just a technician. I mean, if you ever seen him rush rush the, the, the tackles and stuff or rush the ends or tight ends or whatever, he knew everything that they were going to do before they did it. And, um, you know, he just was a, 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 a ferocious guy. Now, I remember one time we were in the training room and we lost the game and Greg was so upset that he broke the um, training room door. And, you know, I thought it was kind of overboard, but I was like, okay, he, he loves this game this much. So that's when I started realizing that, you know, these guys right here, they're not playing around. And um, I definitely credit that because I, I felt like, you know, if you can get that kind of passion from every player on the team, 53 guys, then nothing will hold you back. And, you know, I definitely, you know, Greg lives, actually he lives up the street. We live in, we live in, uh, Hampton, Georgia, he lives in Fayetteville, so that's, you know, next county over. But um, I've seen him a couple times at a grocery store, and he's still the same Greg. He's still with the deep voice, and he's still doing the karate and stuff. So um, Greg was a good guy. Now, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, looking at him, you know, on camera and hearing the stories that he was a hard-nosed guy, he was, but he loved, you know, if you wore that black and gold, he loved you. And um, you know, I definitely give a lot of credit to him, LeVar Kirkland, you know, all the guys you guys just named, Dan Perry, Rod Woodson. I mean, played with so many guys, man. It was just um it was just very family. We were all brothers and uh Greg was just another brother that, you know, installed something in me that that, that made my career a little bit better than what people expected. And Lee, you talk about, you know, tackles and you had a reputation for being a big hitter. I, I think you know, we as Steeler fans saw that when you first came onto the team as a special teams player, um, you had over 100 tackles in 98. Talk about, you know, your style and how you developed your style of play. Well, I think the biggest thing, you know, we alluded to it earlier, you, you have to want to. You have to want to tackle. You know, you have to want to get physical. I mean, football is a physical sport. You have to want to, you know, <laughs> you're going to get, you know, Making those tackles probably hurt me just as much as, as it hurt the opponent. But at the end of the day, I got him down on the ground, and that's why you lift weights. That's why you run. That's why you keep your body in shape so you can make those big tackles. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Coach Kyle always said that, you know, you're going to have guys that's physically better than you, but you can impose your will on them, and they'll start thinking about the next game or thinking about the weather or start thinking about, oh, you know, my wife cooked a steak for me at home tonight, so let, let me get out of this game. And 
And I think that's what we did. We imposed our will. And um, my whole thing was, you know, I, some guys were probably faster than me, probably bigger than me, but nobody had bigger heart. And I wasn't scared of anything. And I think at the end of the day, you know, if it was me versus a 300-pound man, how many times are you going to allow me to keep punching you in your face? And, you know, that that's the way I thought. That's the way I played. But after the game, we all could go out, have dinner, and, and celebrate or whatever. But, but between that whistle, you know, I, I didn't like you. I didn't want you to, to, to beat me. and. Uh, um, that's the mentality you had to have because if you didn't have any other mentality, as far as I'm concerned, that's how you got hurt. So I had to go out there and just stay focused and just, you know, and I love football. I love to practice. I love to get better. You know, I tell my son that all the time. He plays soccer at Georgia Southern. I tell you, look, man, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So, you know, that was my whole thing. You know, every practice, did I get better today? You know, every tackle, did I tackle this guy the right way? Did I put myself in a position to get hurt or did I put myself in a position to hurt him? So, um, you know, that was just my mentality. I mean, I know it's, you know, it probably sound kind of cool, you know, especially this day and age, but it's football. <laughs> you know, it's football. We got to get back to, you know, that type of plan. And, and if, if, if not, then I'm telling you before, if they don't get back to that type of plan, we're going to see a, a, a game where they score 90 points and you see it coming already. Bob, more for Lee. Yeah, Lee, I think 95% of the ex-players we speak to, uh, they all, they're all in agreement that playing multiple sto- sports back in their youth days uh, helped them be a better NFL player. Was that the case with you? And uh, you said your son is a soccer player, et cetera. Do you need that uh, kind of well-rounded approach to be a good NFL player? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think right now, you know, you just new age guys, they're, you know, they're doing the, the whole one sport thing and trying to train just for that one sport. But, you you know, you still got to let a child be a child. You still have to let a kid be a kid. And a, a, a kid doesn't know what they really want to do, so you got to let them play all kind of sports. You know, when I was uh, in high school, I played, I played basketball my my freshman year, I don't know why I keep going. There. My freshman year, and uh, I was horrible. And I, my agent, he, my agent used to tell me, "You like the first black guy that can't play basketball." So I'm like, "Well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't meant for me to play basketball." So, uh, but I ran track. You know, I was a state uh, state champion in long jump and uh, state champion in four by one. So um, you definitely got to do all sports to me. Because I think that allows you to see what sport that you really love and what you're good at. And then, you know, if you love the sport so much, then you stick with that sport. But, you know, you see these new age kids now, they, they, you know, they get these trainers at nine years old that, you know, going to, you know, going to these specialty camps in Texas and L.A. and these speed camps at, at nine and ten years old. And then when they get, you know, when they get into high school, they done burned out. They don't want to play football because they, they, you know, they play in lacrosse. I mean, lacrosse is a big sport now. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think kids need to play multiple sports because you never know what, you know, what God has for you to, to play. So, oh, yeah, I'm definitely in agreement with that. I, I never force anything on my child, you know, my children. 
Um, mm-hmm. Whatever they wanted to play, I was like, look, if you're going to play this, you're going to play the whole season, and you're going to give it 110%. And after that, then we'll talk about, you know, move on to the next thing. And finally, Lee, you talked about the brotherhood in Pittsburgh and uh, to leave the game uh, at about the age of 30. You know, you spent eight years in the league. That's more than the average player does. Uh, and having played in college and high school, you played the game half of your life. And then by the age of 30, you're done. I mean, how was it for you adjusting to civilian life? Was it a tough adjustment period for you? Well, I, I think the biggest adjustment period, to be honest with you, and, you know, probably a lot of people are going to cringe when I say this, but it's um, the marriage aspect. Because I think, you know, your your wife, I was married. I got married, uh, probably got married probably uh, three years before I retired. But I was with her the whole time. So, you know, that, that, that aspect is really hard because she's been doing her whole thing, keeping care of the house, taking care of the house, taking care of you know, the finances at that particular house. And then when you retire, you come on and you, you, you want that same structure that you had at what whatever NFL team that you was playing for. And then, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's tough. It's tough. The marriage part to me was the biggest thing that I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It, it, it took a, a lot for me to get hope to that because it was like every day that, you know, uh, I got to see the same, yeah, I, I don't want to make this. <laughs> I have to see the same person every day. When I was in Pittsburgh, I got to see, you know, fifty-two other guys every day. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I when I was, you know, retired, I had to see the same person every day, and it was just, oh my God, it was it was killing me. So um, I think that was the biggest thing for me. Uh, financially, I was already pretty good with that because I knew what I wanted to do. You know, once I stopped playing, so. But just, you know, being at home and, you know, the kids running around the house 24-7. And um, and I had, you know, my, my son, my kids was kind of, you know, they was jumping off the walls. And I was like, my goodness, you know, I just, that was tough for me. So I think the biggest thing is just trying to get some kind of normalcy because you never had it. You know, when, you know, people outside of football, you know, they, nine to five jobs, they come back home and, you know, they, they on the schedule. and you know, we never had a schedule uh, because most, you know, I think most players back then, most players, you know, they had a home in whatever state that they played in and then the home that where they lived at. And it was just tough on me on that part. But, um, you know, looking back on it now, it's probably definitely some things that, you know, I think guys could have done differently that I could have done differently. But, um, you know, to me, it's just trying to get the, the dynamics down of, um, being at home and being that, you know, that, that, that 24 hour, you know, father and husband and all that stuff. So, um, you know, that, that, that's, you know, my opinion. I probably wouldn't answer you guys are looking for, I'm sure. <laughs> that's, <great. laughs> that's a good one. Lee, uh, a couple more before we let you go. Um, obviously we're on the heels uh, of the Super Bowl. You had an opportunity your rookie year to go and, and play in the Super Bowl. Uh, as a Steeler fan, Super Bowl 30 re- remains my most painful memory b- because of what happened and, and how the, how you guys lost that game. Um, but uh, just want your reflection. 25 years ago, um, has it healed or is it still bother you? What What are your thoughts? Oh no 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 no. That's uh, that's I tell you 
uh, I think Tony said it best, you know, when you, when you as a child, you always think about going to the highest game. And, you know, right now that's the highest game is, is, is the Super Bowl. And you don't ever picture yourself losing. And hardest part for us, though, we were winning the game. We were winning the game. I mean, literally, we were winning the game. Me and Dante Jones, we were standing on the sideline, you know, because, you know, you get extra money for winning the game. And, you know, we were rookies. So, you know, we were already, you know, counting our our, 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 uh, our dollars about what we were going to do. And then first interception come, we was like, okay, you know, we got to overcome that. Then, you know, we came overcame that. And then the second interception came, okay, well, you know, we done lost this game. So. Um, every year, every year, and then you know how to. I think it's ESPN or NFL Network. Yeah. They, that week, that week leading up to the Super Bowl, they play all the Super Bowls, and you know, I I, I try to find out when they're playing our Super Bowl, and I, I don't turn in, tune into it because it, it's it's very hurtful, man. I mean, I, I don't I don't understand. I don't think people understand. You put in all that work. You know, all that time, I mean, you're talking about 16 games. And then, you know, I think at that time we played two playoff games. And, you know, you get to the biggest stage and then you win in the game for, what, two and a half quarters, maybe three quarters, and then you lose. And then you lose to Dallas. <laughs> you know, so it was yeah. – it was, it was, uh, yeah, so it, it was, it was uh, you know, uh, you know, it was it was it was a it was a hurtful moment, but you know, at the end of the day, you gotta put it in perspective, man. I mean, you you and the guys, you and I are talking right now in, you know, twenty twenty one and there's a lot of lot more things going on, but you know, just speaking about that Super Bowl though, it, it was uh it was hurtful, but you got to keep moving because you got to try to prepare for the next year and try to get back to the Super Bowl, but you never know when you're gonna get back and we never got back. We never got back. Never got back. I mean, the closest we came was uh, losing to uh, to uh, oh, lost to Tennessee, and then we lost to New England. So I mean, yeah, we we had we was a couple one games away, but yeah, that was uh, painful. And you you think about it every you know every Super Bowl time the rest of your life. Lee, you had an opportunity to play for the Rooney family and uh, in front of Steeler Nation, and and uh, as a as a member of Steeler Nation. I, I know how passionate we are about you guys and, and the team. Um, and then we've heard a, an awful lot about how, how good the Rooney family is to play for, but wanted to get your perspective. What was it like for you playing in front of Steelers fans and playing for the Rooneys? Oh, man, I tell you, uh, first game, our first game was uh, my, my first game. My first game was uh, we played a preseason game at, at home. And I think it was against uh, – I think it was against Kansas City, actually. And it was – I've never seen anything like it. I mean, we saw – you know, when you look up into the stands, and, you know, Three Rivers back then, it was just a bowl. And you saw the the flags, and then they had – you know, I don't know if this was true or not, but they said they had springs in the seats because everybody was bouncing. And, you know, the, the whole stadium looked like it was just bouncing up and down. And it – it, it was the most amazing thing that I've ever seen in my life, and um, I, I'll never forget it. But just playing for Steeler fans, you know, it, as passionate as I am about football, Steeler fans are just as passionate. And I think that was a perfect place for me to play 
um, you at the top of the show, you guys said that I, you know, I played, you know, I played, uh, uh, went out to Denver, and those fans versus Steeler fans is totally two different things. Pittsburgh fans, they love and die for football, and probably the greatest fans on earth, as far as I'm concerned. I know they're the greatest fans on earth because they they hold you accountable. If you play bad, they're gonna tell you you play bad. If you play well, they're gonna say you you could have played better. And um, it's the best place in the world for me and the Rooney family. It was just, uh, again, you know, my wife at the time, my wife and I at the time got married, you know, a little, little courthouse wedding and whatnot. And Mr. Rooney sent us a, a, a gift. And I was like, you know, no, how, how did he even know? You know, but Mr. Rooney, you know, at that time, he, he, you know, they ran Pittsburgh. So um, they, they were family, man. And, you know, I know the, his wife just passed away and she's with him now in heaven. So, um, it, it was very family oriented, man. I, I just, I, I'm just so thankful that I was able to go to an organization, a family organization, probably the best ran organization in all the business. And I said this one time when I was playing, you know, all these Fortune 500 companies need to take the model from the Rooney's. And I, I guarantee you, if they do that, you know, this world will be a better place. Bob, one more for Lee before we let him go. Yeah, Lee. I mean, again, we mentioned the eight-year career. We we talked throughout the show how uh, how tough a game the NFL is, and you know, without getting too personal, just want to know how your body has held up over the years. Are you still able to stay in shape? Uh, I'm sure the the uh, the tackles you made and the games you played talk to you every morning. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. No, I actually, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing well. You know, I, I just turned 48 a month ago. So, um, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I, uh, I still do, you know, I, I'm into this little CrossFit thing. Uh, so I, I just, you know, it, I tell guys this all the time. You know, if you lay around the house and you sit in bed or sit on the couch all day, that's the, you know, you're going to feel worse. So I, I get out and, do my, uh, you know, I do my little Nike apps and all this sort of stuff. I'm not trying to plug Nike. I don't know how y'all show work, but anyway, that's what I do. And, uh, and you know, I do do the little CrossFit stuff, and I just got to keep mo- moving because I think once you start being stationary, that's when you start realizing, oh, oh, my knee, you know, that that surgery that I had, you know, ten years ago, my ankle, you know, my back, you know, all this other stuff. So, no, I'm I'm, I'm good. I I, uh, I just ran a. Uh, I ran a 5K a couple of years ago, and I'd never do that again. I'll tell you that, but other than that. Uh... <laughs> Good for you, man. Good for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I just can't, I can't do that distance, but I can, I still, you know, I, I talk to my son all the time. I said, if you, if you put some money, you put about a couple thousand on it, I, I give you a, I give you a good four or five right now, but I'm going to be in traction for the next two days, but I, I, run, I run for some money, though. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I know some guys right now that's not doing well, and uh, yeah, um, you know, but that's that's part of the game. And you know, guess what? If I could do it all over again, I'd do it again and do it a hundred times harder. Lee, catch us up. What are you doing now? Um, actually, we are. I work with a conglomerate group right now. We uh, we recycle uh, um, paper boxes. Actually, and we. Uh, we distribute paper boxes, uh, cardboard boxes to um, grocery stores, you know, your Kroger's, your Target's, and then we recycle them as well. 
So it's uh, been a lucrative uh, thing. It's just you know, something to you know, have my kids a little good little uh, nest egg when they uh, get out of the house. Actually, my son just turned 21 today, so happy birthday. Cool. Many flowers to four. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Um, happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we are we're doing well. We're doing well. Lee, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's gonna follow you online or it's over social media? Um, my social media, you know, I don't let's see, I think it's Lee Flowers because it's it's two of us. It's Lee Flowers the third. Um <laughs> whatever the Instagram thing is. I don't know, it's Lee Flowers the third on Instagram. So uh we have a foundation called Care for One Foundation. Um, what we do with that is we give uniforms and shoes and equipment to schools, especially with this pandemic right now, with all the funding being cut. We try to uh, supplement those schools with uniforms and, uh, you know, the shoes and all this other stuff. So um, we're, we're doing well. So uh, leave flowers the third on Instagram. So just do that. So, you know, I'm not up to that social media thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lee, we can't thank you enough for being generous with your time and, and coming and being a part of the show. We had a lot of fun. We certainly hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You guys have a great week. Uh, thank uh, you, you, Lee. Do the same. Take care. Stay Bye-bye. safe, Lee. Bye-bye. You too. That's a great Lee Flowers, Bob. You know, a guy that uh, earned his way onto the a, a great Steelers defense in, in 95. Uh, and then certainly left his mark, over 100 tackles in 98, and uh, a heck of a special teams player on top of that uh, before making it into the starting lineup. But that was a lot of fun. He was a terrific guest, Chris. Uh, can't wait to have him on again. I mean, he's got to gr- uh, love those guys, again, that play for one team their entire career. A uh, very humble man. Seems like he's very grounded. Uh, that was a lot of fun with him. And, of course, you know, he shares – the uh, the same attitude as a lot of these other guys about the tackling isn't amazing. It's right down the line. Any guy that's uh, been playing in the 90s, it's a whole different game now. Guys don't tackle anymore. It's hitting now. Yeah, and we you know we've we've sort of lamented that right for the last several weeks. Uh, you know, between the the shoulder tackles and uh, the guys that are just sort of shy away from tackles anymore, um, it's mm-hmm. just not the same. And uh, you know, to what. You know, you talk with Lee about and what we've talked with uh, some of our other guests about, you know, wrap up, right? That's uh, the frustrating thing is, um, to me, is to see a guy go in and uh, try to lay the boom with a shoulder. And like you pointed out, you know, the runner bounces off and either gets another, you know, 10 yards of, uh, of yards after catch or uh, just, you know, 10 more rushing yards. And uh, you might have had the, you know, the opportunity to stop him short of a first down. And the next thing you know, they bounce off and they get the first down. Boy, as a fan, that uh, that drives me nuts. I'm sure it drives coaches nuts. But the thing you got to sure. wonder is, where are these guys learning this thing? Why are they not being taught properly? And why are they not held accountable? Like Lee said, you got to hold people accountable. Why are you not holding them accountable to make those tackles? Yeah, it's uh, it's really, really amazing. And, and to hear guys that are passionate like him and learn the right way, hoping that it, it might return to that way. But uh, it's, again, guys throwing bodies around hoping that the force will take down running backs. It's, it's nothing to do with tackling anymore. All right. Uh, when Bob and I come back, we'll be turning on our Thursday night tailgate spotlight on the positive here. Two more great stories about guys out there making a big impact in their communities. We'll do it right on the other side of this real 